Adam James hanging out here on a beautiful Monday evening in Orlando, Florida. JT is across the table from me, as always. And we have a very special guest on the phone as well. JT, you can do the honors and announce our special guest. Yes, we have a special guest with us tonight. Shipping up to us from Boston, as it is Chris Nosak who is our special ticket sales representative from the New England Revolution and is also a contributor for the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Dylan, I mean, Chris, welcome to the How show. How are we doing? <laughs> good, good. I don't, I, don't know who, I, don't, I don't know who JT's talking to. Uh, he said Dylan when he was trying to refer to Chris and Chris when he was trying to refer to... It was fine. Um, Chris, welcome to the show, sir. I've this is your you first time. this weekend, Dylan. Sorry. I, I, it's, under, it's understandable. It's Labor Day weekend. You should have some drinks in you. Um, but welcome to the show, Chris. This is his first time contributing to Out of Bounds. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun to have him on the show to bring us some knowledge on the Boston front talking about the New England Revolution, also talking about the Boston Bruins, the New England Patriots, and um, seeing if Tom Brady can go all the way once again this year. So like the we'll Red see. Sox. Yeah, and the Red Sox as well. So um, let's, pleasure, just, let's get down to the meat of things. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty, and let's talk about some college football because we had a lot of it to talk about this past weekend. And uh, week one, JT, did it disappoint? Well, unfortunately, Dylan, for us being UT fans, Tennessee and Texas, respectively, yes, it was disappointing. It was very disappointing. But for everybody else, I think everyone else is just happy <laughs> college football is back. We got some big games. And, and Dylan, college football had a little bit of everything. We saw Nick Saban pissed off, apparently. We saw Cincinnati upset UCLA. We saw Hawaii upset Navy uh, um, and their house. And then... Um, we had some very close games, Michigan-Notre Dame, Auburn-Washington. That was a pretty good game as well. And we had our local boys here, UCF, go up to Connecticut and crush them. So they're still undefeated. So that's good news for us here in Central Florida. But, yeah, Dylan, college football, it was good to see back. I think that it was the biggest surprise was Penn State struggling against Appalachian State. Did you know Dylan was 11 years ago this past weekend that they upset Michigan back in 2007 at the Big House? Yeah. They almost did it again. They almost did it again. Um, App State comes out of, out of nowhere every once in a while and has a good game. And this game was actually really good for them. Penn State struggled mightily in that game. I don't know if it's because they weren't, weren't awake yet. I don't know if it was because they were still having – um, just they were they had an all weekend binger and then decided to play a football game. But I have to tell you, they were playing like we've never se- we haven't seen them play in a long time. Um, and I'm sure James Franklin was not very happy with that team once the game was over with. But yeah, definitely so. It was definitely a scare for Penn State. Um, luckily, they came out of that game with a win. But it it puts their season in doubt at this point. We don't know if they're going to be able to live up to the hype they had last year. Um, you know, it just seems as though they're. They're kind of uh, in a, a slump now, so hopefully they can get back out of it coming up um, this coming up week. But, Chris, I'm going to shoot to you. What do you think was the biggest um, upset of the weekend? Well, unfortunately, on Saturday we had a, we had our own match that I was preparing for, so I only caught a few highlights on the big you know TVs at the stadium. Uh, but I did catch the one thing that shocked me. There was that one score that was, what, 77 or something? Ohio State, yeah, beating Ohio Oregon State. State, yep, with the interim head coach without as well. Urban Meyer, <laughs> yeah, crazy. Go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say that, that's the one that really stuck out to me because that's that's a Madden score right there. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is, and especially with an interim head coach leading a team to a score with over seventy points in a college football game. That just that definitely is a Madden score to me. Um, but yeah, really, the biggest game I thought of the weekend. The closest game and probably the most boring game because there wasn't much scoring was Auburn versus Washington because those teams are known for having very high scoring affairs, especially Washington. And going into that game, you would think they would have put some more points on the board than they did. But Auburn squeaked by in overtime. We actually picked Auburn to win in the college pick which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, Auburn came out of that game the victor. What do you think about that game and what do you think it, the implications are of that game um, heading into the season with Washington? Yeah, Dylan, uh, I watched this game, and it was kind of crazy when I was watching the game with my friends because Auburn was 
looked like they were going to blow that Washington out the, out the building. They were up 12 to three and it was going to get a big point lead. And the next thing I know, Washington was making a, a comeback that's, and they were only down like 16 to 12 or it was 16, 15. It was a very close game. But Washington, what killed them, Dylan, was the kicking game. Their kicker, he missed like two critical field goals down the stretch that could have kept Washington closer in the game. And Auburn, you know, with that stellar defense, did very well in that game. And Auburn, you know, just, just brought it to him. There wasn't a very impressive performance offensively from Auburn, but Auburn, you know, did enough to get a job done. And we'll see, Dylan, you know, the SEC West is going to be very competitive this year. With LSU and Ole Miss, Ole Miss beat Texas Tech. I don't think a lot of people expected that. Hi, Toddy, to my friend Morgan and all those Ole Miss fans over there. But, yeah, Dylan, uh, that was a very stunning game. One game that did stun me that I watched last night for a bit while I was with my friend Dil- uh, Austin. We were watching that. We were at the ESPN Club, and we watched the Miami Hurricanes, LSU. And, Dylan, I really thought Miami was going to beat LSU. Man. Joe Burrow, man, he just brought his A game, 11-24, had 140 passing yards, and Malik Rozier, he really struggled. I mean, I know Miami's other quarterback was suspended for this game, so that's why he didn't play, but still, you got to think Miami, neutral side game, motivated, trying to get the U back, and they just fell flat. Like my boys, Texas, falling flat. Texas, we were in that game against Maryland. Maryland, you got to give them credit. Dylan, they were playing for their fallen teammate, Jordan McNair, and they showed up. And not only that, Dylan, their coach is suspended indefinitely, as far as we know, DJ Durkin. And they had Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, who was at LSU, ironically, is now with that team. And he did the job done for Maryland, the Terps, and Texas. What killed us, Dylan, was we started off slow, really flat. We got back in the game. And then what happened was we had three straight turnovers. Sam Ellinger threw an interception. Then the next play, our running back fumbles the ball. Maryland gets the ball back, and then the last play of the game, we're going down the field. We're still down by five. We had a chance with two minutes to go. Sam Ellinger throws an interception. And that was pretty much the game. So Texas fans, you know, I know they're fired up. They're they're upset. Like, we've lost to Maryland twice now in back-to-back years. And Texas, you know, we got a big game this weekend. We got Tulsa. Then after that, we got USC. Then we got, um, we got uh, TCU. And then... On my birthday, Dylan, next month, we play the big one, Oklahoma. So Texas got a lot of big games coming up, Dylan, and they got to figure out the offense fast because if not, Dylan, it's going to be a long season for Texas. Well, I have to say, going back to Miami versus LSU, LSU had a kicker come out there for the first time for LSU, Cole Tracy. He actually uh, transferred from a junior college, and he was 4-4 four for four for the evening. He kicked a 54-yard field goal. Um, he played in front of 68,000 fans in AT&T Stadium, 10,000 shy of how many people saw him in his junior college career. Not just saying one game, saying all games combined from his junior college, he had 10,000 less than that at AT&T Stadium yesterday, which was absolutely crazy. Um, but he was on fire the entire night. He was a really um, one of the main a- attributes to that team was the kicking game, and uh, he definitely did a lot of good things in that game. So, um, But Tennessee, Tennessee played up against West Virginia, which we knew Will Greer was going to come out there and blaze the field. Five touchdowns, dude. Five touchdowns, yes. Um, I, one thing we can definitely say are the cornerbacks, um, the DBs, in Tennessee are not doing good so far. Um, they're all young kids. They're all freshmen. We have a lot of young players on our team, but there's still no um, no just discussing this. It's, it's a huge problem for Tennessee. I think that with Jeremy Pruitt, he will be uh, fixing that throughout the season. Um, but if fans were expecting this team to come on the field on Saturday and beat West Virginia and be a dominating team this season – uh, I'm sorry, that's not what's going to happen. I told you it was going to be a close game. At first, it was. In, in the first quarter and the second quarter, it actually was a pretty close game. There was a rain delay, too. Yeah, the, I think the rain delay had a lot to do with this whole thing. I think that the rain delay gave West Virginia some more time to uh, make adjustments in the halftime and also for Tennessee just to be sitting there, not playing football, because they had the momentum going into halftime. Um, but once they got back on the field, they just could not do anything. They, they were They were flat. They were playing very, very flat. Um, Garantano was fantastic as the quarterback. Um, although Jeremy Pruitt said that the job is not his, they're actually going to be, um, playing some more of the second string quarterback as well there in Tennessee. 
But um, we also had one of the um, backup running backs come in, Tim Jordan. He actually had a great game. He ran 118 yards and 20 carries and a touchdown. Um, he was not supposed to be in that game. Ty Chandler was supposed to be the starting running back in that game. He got injured um, in the first quarter. So uh, Jordan came in and, and played very, very well in relief. Um, and Jeremy Pruitt was still very, very um, critical of, of everyone, of every single player on the team, said that this was uh, a loss on us. We need to definitely do better in the future. He pointed out some very, very good, uh, very good points uh, about each player. So I think that things will be happening for um, positive moves in the future. I think that we will be a better football team by the end of the season, but don't expect us to go on this huge run in the SEC because – with the team that was on the field the other day, I don't think that's going to happen. It, it definitely is a work in progress, and um, uh, we'll see if Tennessee can pull out some good wins this season. Yeah, Dylan, so let's talk about our pick for this week. Uh, Dylan, we got some big games coming up in week two in the college football season. So we got Mississippi State against Kansas State. We got Georgia against South Carolina. We got Clemson taking on Texas A&M. Penn State against Pittsburgh. And then their last one, we got USC against Stanford. All right, let's go with the first one with Mississippi State and Kansas State. Even though Kansas State will make a run at Mississippi State this weekend, I still believe that Mississippi State will hold on to their ranking and they will beat Kansas State um, in this game. What about you, JT? Yeah, Dylan, I think Mississippi State, they were very impressive in their game this past weekend. I know it's against a lowly FCS school or whatever, but Mississippi State, they're going to go to Kansas State and they're going to win on the road. All right, let's move on to Georgia versus South Carolina. Yeah, Dylan, this is going to be a close game. South Carolina with Will um, uh, Munchen running to the show things now. You know, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I know South Carolina crushed Coastal Carolina last week, and you got Georgia who played Austin P. I I mean, both teams playing uh, warm-up schools. But this week, Georgia's going to bring the offense together, and I expect they're going to win on the road in South Carolina. So they're going to win Georgia. I would have to agree with you there. Um, watching Georgia's performance this weekend, even though it was against Austin P, it was still a very, very dominant performance. This game will be a lot closer than both of their games combined. Um, I think that South Carolina is a formidable foe for Georgia because they are SEC uh, rivals, but I still think that Georgia will come in there and absolutely dominate South Carolina all day long. So Georgia over South Carolina in that game. Now let's move on to the third game of the week in the slate. It's Clemson versus Texas A&M. Yeah, Dylan, this is going to be a very, very interesting game, 7 o'clock on ESPN in College Station. So this is going to be Jimbo Fisher's second home game. They played Northwestern State last week. And I know they look very good offensively, but this is Northwestern State. This is Clemson. This is a big animal. And they're number two in the country. So Clemson was very dominant in their game against Furman. They start off a little slow, got things going. Uh, so this is going to be a big test for Jimbo Fisher, Dylan, uh, at home. Uh, Killing Moon is going to have to have a big game against Clemson defense because if they struggle, Clemson is going to win. And I think Dylan Clemson will win in College Station. They're already a 12-point favorite. I think Texas is going to keep it close, but in the end, Clemson is going to run away with this game. We're 3-for-3 three three so far. I believe that Clemson will go in there. They are the more dominant uh, presence on the field. I think that Dabo Sweeney has a better system than, um, than Jimbo Fisher as of right now. I think Jimbo Fisher, if you would ask me this question a year from today, I think that it will be a lot closer than it actually is. Um, but Jimbo still has to install his offense, his scheme, things of that nature into this team, um, and they're just not there yet. So I think that Texas A&M will – have some glimpses of, of positivity during this game. However, do I think they're going to win? No. I think Clemson's still going to come on that field, and they're going to dominate Texas A&M. All right, Dylan. So the next game we have is Penn State going Heinz Field on the road, taking on the Pitt Panthers. For Dylan, the Penn State team, they barely got through Appalachian State, but they're getting ready on the road, and the quarterback you got to watch is their quarterback, Trace McSorley. I mean, he only had one touchdown, had two and three passing yards. And then, of course, the running back, though, Miles Sanders had two touchdowns. So we'll see, Dylan. I think the wake-up call they got against Appalachian State was a good thing to wake them up because they're going to need to get against Pittsburgh. And right now they're listed as an 8.5 favorite. I think Penn State, being ranked number 10, they're going to get it done on the road, beating Pitt at Heinz Field. This one is a little bit more tricky. 
I, I see that this could possibly be an upset alert. It could be. Now, will it be is the question. I think that this weekend against Appalachian State, we saw that Penn State was vulnerable in areas. I think that there are weaknesses in that team, and especially having Saquon Barkley not there anymore. That, that, that was their bell cow. He was the one that led that team to the promised land last year. So I, th- I think that it's going to be tough for Penn State. I still think Penn State will win this game. I think that James Franklin's system um, and just the next guy up mentality, I think that's going to be helping in this game. And again, like you said, the, the wake-up call they got from Appalachian State was a good thing. So I think that, that James Franklin and the Penn State Nittany Lions will go in there and beat Pitt um, at Heinz Field. So let's go to the last game. It's USC versus Stanford, a clash of California foes. Who's going to come out victorious, JT? Ooh, man, this is a really tough call, but... I'm kind of leaning towards Stanford at home. Stanford, you know, they beat your boy San Diego State last week, but very impressively, 31-10. to 10. Uh, K.J. Costello had a really great night, four touchdowns. And they got rushed. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside as a running, as a wide receiver. For USC, you got to watch out on their running game with Aka Cedric Ware. And not only that, USC, Dylan, I believe they're starting a true freshman quarterback in this game. Uh, he started the last game. So that's going to be shaky because he's going to be on the road. JT Daniels, that's his name. And it's going to be his first road test, Dylan. Stanford's a different team. They're much better at home than they are on the road. But I think, Dylan, the Stanford Cardinal will get it done, and they will beat USC at home. You know what? I, I, I wish that I could say I was picking a team – Against you, but I'm not. I'm picking Stanford. I think that Stanford plays better under the lights. I think USC, for some reason, USC chokes when it comes to big games like this. I, I think that this will be one game that they do choke, and it's, especially because Stanford is just, I think, a better team. I think Stanford is the better team in this scenario, um, so I'd have to agree. I think that Stanford's going to come in there, and they're going to take over USC and uh, win this game. Man, choked him. That's a strong word there, but... You know, like Michigan, you know, Jim Harbaugh, got to get done the big games on the road. Losing that game to Notre Dame didn't get done. And then, of course, Washington. Now they're 1-9 against the SEC teams in college football. Dylan, did you know Jim Harbaugh is now 8-8 in his last 18 games? That's not good for Michigan. That's not not good good at all. No, it's not good at all. Again, Jim Harbaugh this season, I have a feeling Jim Harbaugh is going to be um, this is going to be make or break a season for him. I, I really think it is. And, and He's got to beat Ohio State, Dylan. He's he got to beat him. He has to beat Ohio State. And if he doesn't, then the writing's on the wall in that. And, and you uh, got to beat Michigan State, too, now. So, yeah, yeah. The writing's on the wall. If he doesn't get through the season, Dylan, yeah, he could be going back to the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, Dylan, we just re-finished uh, the uh, preseason. Our beloved Titans went 0-4. Not that that's a really big deal, but we big news, Dylan, that happened in the NFL was we had trades, we had players getting cut, we had contract extensions like Aaron Rodgers getting that big contract for the Green Bay Packers, and we had um, some the Nick Foles is going to start for the Eagles in Week One. So yeah, Dylan, what news caught your eye this past week in the NFL? Um, biggest news was, I mean, uh, one thing is Aaron Rodgers deal. I I think that that was a huge, huge, uh, contract extension. I think that if that was the only news coming out of the weekend, it would have been the biggest piece of news. However, we see Khalil Mack getting traded away from Oakland to go to Chicago and they get, they make him the highest paid defensive player in the NFL, which I mean, I, I kind of understand it from Chicago's side. They're getting a great player. Um, but at the same time, Oakland, man, they just got rid of one of their key pieces on defense. I don't know what John Gruden's doing in Oakland. Either we're thinking he is nuts, he is an idiot, or he is a genius, and we're just going to find out at the end of the season. Not only that, Dylan, the Raiders, they also waived... What's his name? Marshawn Mar- Lynch? No, no, no. They waived... Uh, uh, Martavius Bryant. Bryant, yeah. They waived him. They traded for A.J. McCarron, who's injured still. We don't know if he's healthy. And they also signed um, a, run, a wide receiver, Bra- Braden, Bra- Brandon LaFell. Jeez, I can't spell today. And then, of course, we know about the Steelers. Le'Veon Bell, still no show. And the NFL, they announced some of their suspensions. So, like, for the Ravens, they don't have Jimmy Smith. Uh, Vontez Burfecht won't be available for the Bengals. And then, of course, 
You got Aaron Jones, Dante Fowler Jr., and, you know, Keith Rowe Brothers. The Patriots, of course, Julian Edelman, which I'm sure, Chris, you can chime in on that in a little bit. And Mark Ingram's not going to be available either. So we're going to have some suspensions during the first couple weeks of the NFL season as well, Dylan. And Teddy Bridgewater got traded from the Jets to the Saints. So I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, backing up Drew Brees down there in the Big Easy. So that's big news coming out. Chris, what do you think is the biggest piece of news coming out of this weekend, the final weekend of the preseason in the NFL? I I think the Khalil Mack uh, trade and then uh, subsequent contract extension is by far the biggest news that everyone's talking about. And um, when it comes to the Raiders side of it, I actually kind of understand and, and don't hate the deal because they've been trying to negotiate a new contract with them for quite some time with no success. So the the question for Oakland was, was he really going to be there in the future anyway? They just moved him. They got two first-round picks for him. And feasibly, a first-round pick is going to be a good player. So from that respect, I understand it. I do think they should have been able to work a deal out with him. But as long as they make the right picks with those draft choices, it could work out for them. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, You know, it's just so interesting to see all the moves that happen after the preseason ends. Um, Players getting cut from teams, players being added to practice squads, players being picked up from other teams, like Brandon LaFell getting picked up as well. Um, Who do you think is the... um, the best player who's been picked up off waivers so far um, to be added to a team that will give the team more depth at that position. That, go, that goes you know, to either you or Chris, either one, JT. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Chris. I, I don't even think the biggest one long-term piece-wise is actually from free agency. I think the Saints are showing they're getting ready to move on from Drew Brees in the next couple of years by going out and getting Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he showed a lot of promise in the preseason, coming back from the injury last year. People are coming back from those ACL injuries better than ever. And he's still young. He's, I want to say he's 24, 25. So with Drew Brees approaching 40, that's a very interesting move to to see if they, they push the 40-year-old quarterback out the door sooner rather than later, as much as he's beloved down there. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see um, in this season too. And also, I mean, is, is Teddy Bridgewater actually going to see – time on the field this year as well not just in garbage time but um do you think there might be some time during the season that we might see some glimpses of teddy bridgewater on the field that'll be something we'll have to answer as well uh jt so going into this week one of the nfl we have some quarterbacks starting that don't usually start so first of all carson wentz is not healthy enough to um play he's not he's not clear for contact yet so in uh, place of him nick Foles will be playing the super bowl quarterback we also have nathan peterman um, in Buffalo, actually getting the nod as the starting quarterback there over Josh Allen. And we also have um, Sam Darnold playing for the Jets week one as a starting quarterback. Um, we, let's just not talk about Nick Foles because we know, we know how good he is. With these other two quarterbacks, Nathan Peterman and Sam Brad, uh, Sam uh, Darnold, which one do you think will have the better week in week one? Well, Dylan, just to chime on what we guys were talking about earlier about surprise cuts and picks, one surprise that I wasn't surprised you got cut, Dylan, your boy Paxton Lynch, he got cut by the Broncos. Yes, he did. But one thing I was surprised was the Baltimore Ravens decided to keep both RG3 and Lamar Jackson. So this is the first time, Dylan, in like 10 years, the Baltimore Ravens are going to have three quarterbacks on the roster. And the RG3 is number two. He's number two on the depth chart, which means if Joe Flacco goes down, he's going to be the man carrying them forward. So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, Dylan, back to your question. I believe in the NFL, Dylan, for, this is a record. We've had, I think they said they have 15 different quarterbacks starting for week one in the season, Dylan. And that's just crazy with, of course, injuries, trades, things like that. Um, to answer your question, though, I think, Dylan, Sam Darnold is going to have the best week. The Jets, Dylan, are hoping that Sam Darnold is the next Carson Wentz, which to me is like a, a huge scare, if you ask me. But that's what they're banking on, Dylan. And the Jets, you know, they're going to be busy, you know, getting ready for the opener this week. And the Titans, of course, Dylan playing the Dolphins. And the Jets got to go play the, the Lions on the road. So the Lions, you know, the tough defense can be tough, uh, difficult. But I think Sam Darnold's going to do a lot better. I know the Bills 
are going to be playing the Baltimore Ravens, but the Ravens defense, Dylan, it's going to be a rude awakening for Nathan Peterman. I'm pretty sure of it. Oh, I think so, too. I think so, too. Now, the Ravens defense, I actually have them in two of my leagues as my starting defense because, I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath. For any team that goes up against the uh, the, um, Ravens this year, I think the Ravens are going to do a really good job on defense. So let's actually look at week one matchups. Um, the Bills and Ravens, that's going to be a bloodbath for um, for the Bills. I think Nathan Peterman will struggle in that game against the Ravens. And um, definitely, you know, uh, it's not going to look good. Yeah, uh, last, last year I saw uh, Nate Peterman start, and he was just atrocious. Uh, why? How he won that starting job. You don't dra- draft a guy like Josh Allen and, and not start him over – Nate, Nate Peterman, that's going to be the one of the biggest mistakes going into week one that they're already showing their mistakes. So, Chris, you're up in Beantown. Uh, uh, how do you think the Patriots have looked during their preseason as they get ready for week one as they're hosting the Houston Texans, which we really want you to beat them, by the way. <laughs> you know what? I think I think they'll come out with that one. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Deshaun Watson's still working on getting his legs back underneath him as good as and promising as a young quarterback as he is. You know, they, they just have a lot of pieces from last year that are returning, you know, J.J. Watt from his injury and all the above there. Um, but they do have uh, Lamar Miller healthy, so that should give the Patriots defense some, tr- some uh, trouble. They usually struggle right out of the gate with the run defense. Um but I'm like everybody else. I'm worried about that receiving core. Uh, come week four, though, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they are looking at you know a guy like Martavis Bryant or Des Bryant. Um, and then I know that uh, Corey Coleman just got cut from the Bills uh, during the roster cut down as well. So they have a good relationship with the with the Browns, and they might have some inside information from on a guy like that and another former first round pick that they could go after to try and pair, pair with uh, Dorsett those first couple weeks. You know, before you mentioned Des Bryant, I, I almost forgot his name. I can't believe he's still not signed with the team yet, but I'm sure he'll find somewhere where they'll need a veteran presence coming into the team um, with injuries and things of that nature happening um, so frequently nowadays. So um, let's look at like some games that you're looking forward to. So my top two games I'm looking forward to, one is the Steelers versus the Browns, because I want to see how good the Browns are on the field. I think that's going to be a huge test for the Browns, especially with the Steelers' defense and the Steelers' offense as well. I think that ben, uh, Big Ben is um, doing some great things. Even though they don't have Le'Veon Bell, I think that um, it's going to be an interesting game for the Browns to see how well they put together that roster they have there in Cleveland. Also, another big game I'm looking forward to are the 49ers versus the Vikings. we got Jimmy Garoppolo versus Kirk Cousins. And, I mean, both teams have... Pretty solid offense. Both teams have pretty solid defense, too. I think Vikings might have an edge on the on the Niners. But that's going to be a very interesting game to watch, um, simply because it's Kirk Cousins' first time out there uh, in a full game with the Minnesota Vikings. And did Jimmy Garoppolo, was it just a, a flash in a pan, or was it actually something um, going there in San Francisco last year when he won those, um, those last few games of the season? So I'm really interested in those two games. JT... What game would you say is your um, game to look out for this weekend? Well, the game, the two games I'm keeping my eye on, besides the Titans game, of course, that of course. I'm keeping my eye on, of course, is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Giants. The New York Giants, with all this hype about Odell Beckham giving that big contract extension, and of course you got Eli Manning back. They got their swagger back in New York, it seems, for the Giants. So let's see, Dylan, the Giants can respond, bounce back, and win the NFC East, Dylan, because the NFC East is kind of wide open. The Redskins got a new quarterback, Alex Smith. The Cowboys, we don't know what to expect from the Cowboys. And, of course, you got the Eagles, who right now are injured with everybody on the field right now. So, the Giants, this is your chance to pounce right now in the NFC East, get that big lead. So, that's one game I'm going to keep my eye on. The other game, Dylan, that I want to keep my eye on, of course, is the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. That's, of course, a Sunday night football game. Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers getting that big deal. The Packers want to get things flying, moving after falling out in the playoffs last year. The Bears, of course, now they got Khalil Mack. They got um, the North Carolina quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky starting now. So we'll see how he gets to do, and we'll we'll see. That's the big rivalry. That's one game you definitely got to keep your eye on for sure. Uh, Chris, what games are you keeping an eye on? The two games you're watching this week besides your Patriots. 
aside from the Patriots, I'm I'm gonna have to go with the the Niners Vikings game as well. Um, the, the 49ers defense at the end of last year, those last five games, once they went and turned it over to Garoppolo, even the defense turned around. They've gone out, made some great signings. Uh, they picked up Richard Sherman, who's gonna do wonders for that defense. Maybe not necessarily all physically on the field, but he's a massive leader presence on that defense and can really help turn them into – I mean, they were playing like a top-five defense towards the end of the year. So, you know, if, if he has that type of presence, they could be one of the top three or four in the league right up there with Jacksonville, who, again, as you pointed out, JT, that's another matchup to watch out, especially with the, the Coughlin uh, kind of effect up there. And Blake how Bortles. turned around the Jaguars. Blake Bortles, see how he's going to do this year. It's a it's a big year for him. They just gave him the big contract that he was looking for. So now he's got to go out and prove them right in that. And I, I completely agree with you in that uh, on that NFC East. I actually think this is the year that the Giants can finally pull it out and give Eli that first division title of his career because – He's just never had one, and, and they finally have a solid run game. And, again, in theory with the rookie in, in Barkley that you guys talked about earlier. and you know, But they did address the offensive line a little bit. So, you know, now that he has that play-action, you know, abilities again, he still has a young receiver in Sterling Shepard and Odell, of course. So that this is their year to, to try and prove a point. It's going to be very interesting watching week one this season. Um, the NFL is going to be uh, something to watch every single week now. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, hopefully they, they play pretty well with Marcus Mariota um, playing a full game and see if uh, we can put things together with our new offense in line and also our um, defensive uh, positioning as well with Dennis Pease. He's going to be doing some good things for the defense there. So um, hopefully good things come out of the Titans game as well. I'm hoping and praying we win against the Dolphins. That'll be fantastic to start off the season, but we'll just have to watch and see. So let's move on to the hockey um, NHL. The Golden Knights have lost Nate Schmidt to suspension for 20 games uh, for using PEDs. So now that the Golden Knights are going into the secondary season, they lost James Neal, a big piece on offense. They lost Nate Schmidt now for 20 games on defense. Um, what's this going to do for this team? It's clearly going to affect the team, Dylan. He was, I mean, like he was with Crickle with our Capitals two years ago before he shipped into Vegas. He was very critical with them. He had five goals, 31 assists, and 76 games last year and was critical in getting them to the Dylan to the Stanley Cup final. So this is huge for Vegas. Uh, I know the Vegas Golden Knights ownership and all of them disagree with the suspension, so I would expect an appeal. But at the moment, he's only allowed to practice. He's not even allowed to play in preseason right now. So this is going to be a huge loss for the Vegas Golden Knights if he ends up missing the first 20 games of the season. Uh, Chris, I know you followed the Boston Bruins very well, but what are your thoughts on the what's going on in Vegas with uh, Nate Schmidt? You know what? I, it's definitely disappointing to see, and, and I think the bigger loss for them is going to be James Neal on the offense. I think Schmidt is, you know, I, I, for lack of a better term, replaceable for him. Um, last year he had a heck of a year, um, but last year as a whole team, they all had a collective you know po- uh, point to prove to their old teams. And now going into year two, that kind of the chip on their shoulder isn't as strong, and they have more depth pieces on defense than they have on that offense. And I mean they're in a tough Pacific anyway with San Jose and Anaheim, so I do see them dropping a little bit regardless. Um, so I, I think the Schmidt suspension, it, it will hurt them, but not nearly as much as the loss of James Neal on offense. He's a critical piece of that offense. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, James Neal was a fantastic player for the National Predators, and um, he's going to be a great player for the Calgary Flames going into the next season. Um, and also, like you said, with the sophomore slump, we have to see if the Golden Knights can actually go in there and win like they did last year. Um, and I, I just don't see it this year happening that way. That chip on their shoulder, uh, like you said, the the it's the tarnish has been rubbed off of the uh, of the chip now to where it just seems as though that. Um, they're not going to play as well as they did last season. Not only that, Dylan, the, the NHL and the Western Conference, teams have improved. As you mentioned, the Calgary Flames, the LA Kings, you can never rule them out. With Now they got um, Kolachuk there now. You got the Sharks with keeping Kane, the Ducks. And then you got the Edmonton Oilers still rebuilding, but they got pieces. You got, they, they could bounce back. They still got um, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid still, still there. single-handedly. You know, so, the Vancouver I mean, Canucks. I mean, the Arizona Coyotes will rule them out. But... <laughs> 
In the in the Central Division, of course, you're Preds, Dylan. The Winnipeg Jets, you definitely can't get them out of the year they had. The Minnesota Wild. The Avalanche, Dylan. I mean, they're getting high out there on, I don't know, whatever. But they got good <laughs> players. And they are going to be a team to reckon with after we barely make the playoffs. They gave your Predators a scare. And I expect them, the Avalanche, to be much better this season. Oh, yeah, I think they will be, and too. And you can't rule out the Blues and the Blackhawks. Yeah, or the Stars, either. In Dallas, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the team, too, that can that could surprise you at any time, um, even though the past few seasons they haven't been playing so well. But still, I think that um, if they shore up their goalie goaltender play, I think they could actually be a pretty good team. Yeah, this is going to be a testing year, as you mentioned, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Look, because one thing I want to see is, can Marc-Andre Fleury, getting as old as he is, can he keep the teams in it? Because that's what he did to get the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs in the first place. Can he do it again, still some victories? And with the the players they got, depth players, and not like a legit all-star seal, it's going to be tough for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not only that, they start slipping down the standings as the season goes by. Are those fans, are they still going to show up day in and day out? Let's say they're like in 13th, 14th in the Western Conference. We'll have to see, Dylan. Yeah, and like Marc-Andre Fleury, he is getting older, but they do have Malcolm Subban back there backing up Marc-Andre Fleury. Your boy. So, yes, yes. So I think that he can he can do some good things in net as well. I think he did some good things in net last season um, when he was in relief of Marc-Andre Fleury. So we'll see what happens with Vegas. Hopefully they can they can play at least somewhat of the level they played last year, but I just don't see that happening. So let's move on to the next segment of uh, baseball. We don't really, really talk about baseball very much, but... We're getting into the final stretch of games, and uh, play, postseason's coming up on us uh, very, very quickly. And today was a very, very good matchup from the Boston Red Sox and uh, against the Atlanta Braves. The Braves looked pretty good in this game, and also the Bruins and the Boston Red Sox did as well. Um, but in the end, the Boston Red Sox came out with an 8-2 victory in Atlanta, um, which was a heartbreaking loss for the Braves. But I'm sure Chris was very excited for the Red Sox to, uh, to beat them this late in the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's always great when you have the best record in the league. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. Um, I, I will, I, you know, the other day I was, it, they were talking about it on the radio up here in Boston uh, over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, our biggest worry is still that bullpen. But if you actually look at their numbers during the crunch periods, you know, plus or minus a run, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, their numbers are actually really, really good, surprisingly, despite the fact, you know, a guy like uh, Joe Kelly, his ERA is over three, but in a plus or minus one run situation, his ERA in the seventh or eighth inning is like one and a half. It's incredible to see the disparity between those pressure situations and when they're up by four or five runs and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I definitely agree. And with the Braves, though, they're um, first in the NL East. They are still, I believe, five games ahead of um, second place, which is the Philly, the Phillies. Um, four games back, I'm sorry. Phillies are four games back on the Braves now. Um, but they're still playing pretty well going into the postseason, which I don't think teams were expecting the Braves to be this good coming into the season. But they've had some really, really good help with the bullpen, had really good help with some hitters as well. Um, Robert Acuna actually has been playing very, very well for the Braves this season. Um, and also Freddie Freeman, like always. Um, and they have some very, very good players like that too. So um, good things to come for baseball. I can't wait for postseason to start. And um, that'll be starting very, very soon. Yeah, Dylan, a lot of exciting races. And for the Boston Bruins, Chris, I think as long as Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, and if Ian Kinsler has a good day like he did today, I think Boston will be okay getting in the playoffs. Of course, you got the Yankees right there, the Indians, the Astros, and you got the Oakland A's trying to get in the wild card spot. And as Dylan mentioned, the National League, his Braves are up four games with the Phillies, the Cubs, the Brewers are right behind them. And then in the National League West, Dylan, it's a – Crazy spin between the Dodgers, the Rockies, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, yeah, Dylan, it's going to be crazy as we get down the final weeks of baseball. It's a huge going to make the playoff push. Yes, I definitely agree. So, let's move on to our next segment. It's JT's favorite segment of the week. It's the football recap of the week. JT, the microphone is all yours. Thanks, Dylan. And as always, out of balance, we're here to recap the latest from the beautiful game. And from our weekend recap, we're going to start with, what's, as always, what's going on in Europe. So, the big thing that happened this past weekend was... AC Milan finally got a big win. They beat AS Roma 2-1. Liverpool also beat Leicester City 2-1. Chelsea got a big win over Bournemouth. Man City came back and beat Newcastle 2-1. The biggest shocker was Atletico Madrid. They lost 2-0 on the road against Celta Vigo. Manchester United finally snapped their looting streak. So Jose Mourinho, your job is safe for at least a couple more weeks. But Marcus Rashford did get a red card for headbutting somebody. 
So he's going to be suspended for three games. Barcelona absolutely destroyed SD Hauschka. 8-2 in La Liga play this past week. Uh, crazy game. Eight goals from Barcelona. Wow, that's just absolutely amazing. And then Sampdoria upset Napoli 3-0. And then, of course, in MLS play, Chris, your boys, FC Dallas, they beat the Houston Dynamo. and Took home the cannon. Yep, yep, they sure did. And then, of course, Real Salt Lake, they crushed LA Galaxy and Slata Ibrahimovic 6-2 on the road. And the Seattle Sounders, Dylan, they won their game 3-1 to this past weekend. And over the Sporting Kansas City and for Seattle, they've now won eight straight games in MLS play, which is absolutely amazing. And and uh, Chris, I know you're up in Boston. You're doing when Revolution got a 1-1 draw against the Portland Timbers. What happened up there, man? <laughs> I, it was a late goal for Portland at, uh, off a corner set piece that, you know, I, from my angle, I didn't even think it went in. Uh, but a couple of the replays proved me wrong on that one, unfortunately. Um, but it, it's certainly going to be an interesting race. Uh, they're, they're not that far out of it. They're still making that final push. Um, and they got a couple games in hand on a few of the teams ahead of them. So if they can pull those W's out and bolster their standing spot, they're right back in it. All right, Chris. And for Orlando City, they finally at least stopped the losing streak for at least this week. They got a 2-2 draw against the Philadelphia Union. Uh, the Philadelphia Thanks Union. That, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? And uh, Orlando City got a goal late from Sutter. Scott Sutter getting the goal late to tie that game late. Orlando City always leads it late in these games at home. It's just crazy. But we got a draw, so we live to fight another week. We will play Sporting Kansas City this weekend. The good news, Dylan, is we got a point, so that means we're out of the last place, at least for now. For the Orlando Pride, the ladies in the NWSL, they did not play this week. As I mentioned last week, they're already limited for the playoffs. So they're just playing for pride, no pun intended at this point. And they will play Sky Blue FC on September 8th. Uh, Dylan, in the NWSL, the Chicago Red Stars, Utah Royals, and the Houston Dash are the only teams that qualify for the playoffs. So the Red Stars win their game, they will make the playoffs. But if they lose, it opens the door for both the Utah Royals and Houston Dash if they win their last game. All right, Dylan, on to some soccer news. The big news that happened this past week was Clint Dempsey, deuce, Announced his retirement from professional soccer after 15 years. Clint Dempsey calling a career for the Seattle Sounders after he had a stellar career with New England Revolution. He was also with Fulham FC, and he was also with Tottenham Hotspur. So, Clint Dempsey retiring. He's tied with Landon Donovan on the most goals for the U.S. Men's National Team with 57 goals. And he's also the only player to score in three World Cups for the U.S. Men's National Team. He did it in 2006, 2010, and 2014. Luka Modric was winning the UEFA Player of the Year World Award, and it was a great year for year for Luka Modric. He helped get Real Madrid to the Champions League for the third straight year, and he led Croatia to the World Cup final this past summer. Dylan, your boy Usain Bolt is finally making that move in soccer. He made his debut this past week in Australia for the Central Coast Mariners. That's the team he signed with. Uh, it was a friendly. They won that 6-1. He didn't score a goal, but he played. And after the game, he said, Man, I am out of shape. I need to get back in the fit for soccer. So we'll follow Usain Bolt and see how he goes there, Dylan. All right, Dylan, for some games to watch, this week we got New York City FC taking on New England Revolution. That's going to be on Wednesday. I'm sure Chris is going to keep his eye on that. Uh, the UEFA Absolutely. Nations League is going to start this week. We got Germany and France. That's going to be on Thursday at 245. And then on Saturday, you got England taking on Spain. And then, of course, this weekend, Dylan, we also have USA, the men's national team, taking on Brazil at 7.30. See stars like Timothy Weah play up there in New Jersey. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to talk about the New England Revolution before I close out my football recap of the week? Uh, you know what? Especially the game against New York City? Be, uh, you know what? I'm going to be watching that game. I think it's going to be a, a real good one. Um, one definitely worth keeping an eye on with, uh, with the standing implications because it's one of those games in hand that I mentioned, and uh, they need to make use of it. I think the, their their draw this past weekend, you know, with the way they played overall, it was a rough goal they gave up late, but they almost walked away with the three points, so it's definitely a promising performance and uh, should should help turn things around a little bit here for them. Hopefully they can get those three points on Wednesday. Definitely, Chris. One person I'll keep my eye on is Till Bunbury because he's the leading goal scorer for New England Revolution. 
And that, guys, will conclude my football recap of the week. Let's move on to miscellaneous news with Colin Kaepernick. He is now the face of Nike's Just Do It campaign. What do you think about this move, JT? Yeah, Dylan, they just announced today, and they're going to feature him in, in the ad. And it says, one of the quotes I saw on the ad, it said, believe in something, even if it means you sacrifice everything. So very interesting for Nike there. But we'll see, Dylan, uh, Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he's not in the NFL. He's going to get an offer, but maybe some other league will give him a shot. We'll a, see. A question I'm raising about this whole campaign is that did Colin Kaepernick turn down all these contract uh, negotiations, things of that nature that he's had since he's been a quarterback in the league? Has he turned them all down just for this campaign? Just so he can stay with Nike to be the spokesperson for this Just Do It campaign? Or is it just he just didn't like the contracts he was being offered? I don't know, Dylan. According to what you, you believe what John Elway said, even though this was technically a couple years ago, he said that they offered him a contract and he passed up on it because he felt the money was too low. So that's what we keep hearing about it. <sighs> but he's not the only one. Look at Des Bryant. He's been turning down money and because he wants more money. Yeah. So he's not the only one, at least. So teams are still wanting to sign him, but they didn't, he just turned down all these contracts. Anyway, uh, Big Ten Network analyst Braylon Edwards got suspended from Network for calling Michigan trash for a performance against Notre Dame. Yeah, he posted on Twitter, and he was very disgusted with the performance. And we talked about it earlier, Dylan, Jim Harbaugh, 8-8 eight and eight in his last... It's 18 games, Dylan, in, or 16 games. I'm sorry, what? I said 8-8. Eight eight. Um, so not looking good. And, I mean, Michigan alumni are getting fired just like Texas fans. But we'll see. Uh, he's going to be spent at least for a week, and he'll be back the following week. But for Michigan, uh, you can only go off from here, right? I just don't get uh, – Chris, you can back me up on this one, I think. I don't get why networks like the Big Ten Network are suspending their analysts – for actually having an opinion on a situation. Michigan was trash in that game. So I don't understand why he had to get, had to get suspended for even a week, whatever it is, um, just to make a statement on national television. Yeah, it's beyond me. They, these, they pay these guys to give their opinion, their professional opinion. And, you know, it's not like he used a, a bad word or it wasn't like he used a swear word, curse word, or whatever you want to call it. He just he gave his honest opinion, and now he's being reprimanded for it. That, that's how networks are going to be losing their best analysts because the best ones are going to give their honest opinion, and if they get reprimanded for it, they're just going to walk away and say it's not worth it. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and walks like a it's duck, probably a it's duck. probably a duck. Like, come on. Like, you can call them trash if you want to. I mean, they were trash in that game. Well, now I know why ESPN is going all crazy with the analysts and everybody up there right now. Right. Oh, so what else we got here? Uh, the U.S. Open up in New York right now in tennis. Uh, Roger Federer, Maria Sharapova, and Serena Williams, they're still in it, Dylan. Yeah, they're killing it up there in the U.S. Open. Um, the big surprise for me is Maria Sharapova because when she first started in tennis, she was an okay tennis player. She wasn't the best, um, and I don't think she was really out there for that. I don't think men watching the game were really watching her to say, you know what, I, I think she did a great job this weekend. No, um, she's attractive. But I think that in this situation, she's just proved herself. Since her suspension she had, um, I think that she's been very, very well for the sport of tennis. And, I mean, she's been killing it um, on the court. So hopefully she keeps going. Serena beat her sister to advance in the U.S. Open. And Roger Federer, man, like always, he keeps winning. He just keeps winning, winning, winning every single time. That's right, Dylan. We'll see you. They'll keep it up in New York. Uh, the WNBA playoffs, just a quick update on what's going on there. They're still in the semifinal round. Both series are tied 2-2 between the Mystics and the Atlanta Dream and the Mercury against Seattle Storm. Both of those games will be on tomorrow. The Mystics and Dream will be at 8 o'clock. The Mercury and Storm will play at 10 o'clock. Dylan, I think Elena Deladon gets it done for the Washington Mystics, gets them to the final, and I think Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, and all those players for Seattle Storm get it, and that's going to be my pick who's going to be in the final for the WNBA. Awesome. Let's move on to our next segment. It's winners and losers. JT, I will start with you first. All right, guys, so my winner this week, which is kind of sad, but I have to point this out since it's history, the Kansas Jayhawks football team. Now, listen, hear me out, Dylan. This is the, now the third straight season. Kansas opened up against an FCS opponent, and guess what? They lost. This time to Nickel State, 26-23. to So, Kansas, next season, don't schedule any FCS schools. Just, just don't do it. 
Schedule New Mexico State or something or San Jose State. No respect to those guys. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> My loser this week is Dylan, your boy Bobby Petrino, because in this game against Alabama this past week, he had not one, not two, not three, but four times, Dylan, he was called for having too many players on the field, 12 players on the field. Joe, uh, Bobby Trino, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Well, what? I don't get that. Four times, man. Like, get, get it together. Discipline, man. <laughs> Discipline. That's what you got to do. And then, of course, my other loser, Jim Harbaugh. I'm sorry, I misquoted this. He's actually 9-9 nine and nine in his last 18 games, not 8-8. Eight and eight. So I stand corrected. He can do math now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very happy for him. Uh, let's go to my winners and losers. My winner this week is Tua Tagovailoa. I can't even say. Just his call name him Tua, man. Everybody I'm gonna call him doing it. I'm gonna call him TT. Okay, TT. That sounds professional, right? All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give it up for TT because he did a great job in his game. Um, Alabama definitely had a great game against Louisville. We actually tried to go to that game and we looked at ticket prices. They were going to be probably like seventy bucks a piece with tax taxes fees and everything for a, uh, for a football game to go see them. We're like, no, we're not going to spend that. Um, but it was a fantastic game to watch. Louisville definitely didn't do anything in that game. Alabama ran all over them, um, but Tua definitely had a great game that, uh, and he deserves to be the starting quarterback there in Alabama. And it looks like he will remain the starter there um, as the weeks go by. So sorry, um, Jalen Hurts for that, but Tua's better quarterback than you are. Um, now, losers, we're going to go to Ohio State, the former quarterbacks there, JT Barrett and Braxton Miller. They were both cut after the fourth week of the preseason, so they're not looking so hot in the NFL. And do you think there will be teams out there that will actually sign them? Probably not, but I know which league that might be, the Alliance of American Football League. Ooh. They'll probably be interested. So, but I don't know. We'll see, Dylan. Braxton Miller, I know he got cut as a wide receiver. It didn't work out for him in Oakland. And JT Barrett, I mean, just, just struggling out there. So we'll see. I mean, our best practice squad. But in the NFL, no. That's why I said the Alliance of American Football League. But, Chris, uh, who are your winners or losers this week? So first, I'll actually start with my losers because uh, there's a little bit more with the winners here. Uh, but my losers are actually going to be the Oakland Raiders, uh, not because of the Khalil Mack trade, believe it or not. Um, more to the fact that they they – cut Martavis Bryant uh, I think that'll end up coming back to bite him because someone else is going to pick him up whether it's now or in week five if he ends up getting suspended for his four games or whatever but before some of their other moves and and of course the Khalil Mack trade doesn't help him I actually had them finishing second in their in their division um, but now it, I think it hurts them the combined moves it, they're going to even finish behind the Chiefs in dead last in that division and it's just going to you know, they were on the way to something good, and I don't know what John Gruden's doing out there, but I feel like that could end up being one of their biggest mistakes in the last four years, five years. Jeez. All right, let's go to winners then. And my winners, I have to go with, it's a little bit more local, uh, but the Boston Bruins, um, they, they recently announced a partnership with the Special Olympics. And over the weekend, they hosted their first run for gratitude to honor the first responders from the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, actually, there's uh, articles on both of those on the black and gold from my colleague, Evan Michael. Definitely check them out. Great reads. And uh, it's just it's blackandgoldhockey.com. Um, incredible things that they're doing right now with the community. And it's nothing but good. So they have to be my winners right now. Awesome. Yeah, go check it out. Black and gold hockey. Dot com is a great website to go check out. So do it right now. Drop your phone, drop listening uh, to this podcast, and go look at the website. Then finish the podcast. So um, finish the podcast first, then check it out. There you go. Let's do that. We'll, we'll have a compromise. So anyway, uh, let's go to final thoughts. Actually, before we do final thoughts, we got to bring up our college pick from last week. So JT and I both picked our picks last week. We were um, we picked every single picked. Uh, every single pick the same up until our fifth one, which was Virginia Tech versus Florida State. We were four for four last week, so tonight we're going to find out who goes five and zero oh and who goes four and one. As of right now, Virginia Tech is on top of Florida State seven to zero. Just saying. So as of right now, your boy Dylan is going to be five and zero, oh. but. We'll see if uh, Florida State and JT have anything to say about that. So let's move on to final thoughts. JT, I'll start with you first, sir. Well, Dylan, I'm right now getting prepped for my fantasy football league, and 
got to make some picks before the game on Thursday. Yeah, we have that in 14 uh, minutes. So I got look at <laughs> players like Devontae Adams, maybe Randall Cobb, of course Aaron Rodgers and some quarterbacks. Got to find some sleeper picks, though, for like a tight end or wide receiver. So I'll have to keep my eye on that. Maybe Chris might have some information on that. But, yeah, Dylan, I'm getting pumped for my fantasy football team, Golden Balls FC, as we get ready for the new season. I hope I do a lot better this year than last year because I really struggled. I was 0-8, Dylan, I hope before so I too. finally got some wins. I hope so, we too. We started this league last year, Chris, and we, me and Dylan both finished well out of the playoff hunt last year. <laughs> yeah, we did. We, we, oh, should, we should do a lot better than that. I do have two tight end sleeper picks that you may want to look at, see if they're available for Ooh, you. Oh, okay. Uh, various Jenkins, uh, he was with the New York Jets last year, signed this year, a couple-year deal with the Jaguars. Uh, the injury to Marquise Lee is going to make him more of an offensive target, and he did really well catching the ball up with the Jets, so much better team that he's going to be around with more offensive weapons there. And um, I forget, I'm spacing on the first name, but Kittle out in San Francisco. I think it's George um, Kittle, I believe. I yeah, think it's George. Kittle, I want to say Jeff, something like that. Um, he's kind of paired with a quarterback who knows a little bit about playing with tight ends. And uh, he's got a very similar style. Obviously, no one is Gronk except Gronk. But if Garoppolo has played with Gronk, he can play with Kittle and utilize him pretty well. So I think he's one that isn't on very many people's radar, but definitely one that if you have a second spot on your bench that you can take up a tight end with or something like that, take a fire on him, hang on to him for a couple weeks, he should be able to come around for you later in the season. Thanks for the advice, Chris. Speaking of final thoughts, Chris, what is your final thoughts? My final thoughts are training camp for hockey in the NHL. They're going to be starting this week for some teams, next couple days for some, and I'm pumped. I can't wait for it. Um, I think, Dylan, you mentioned the Stars earlier this year. It's going to be a really interesting year for them. They have a lot of money tied up in that first-line unit, and Tyler Sagan's up at the end of the year. So if they want to re-sign him, it's going to be a, it's going to be a task to do that and keep this core together. Uh, hopefully they can keep Ben Bishop healthy this year and, and make that playoff run before this team just comes to a full-fledged collapse. Yeah, I agree. I think that the um, the Stars, are they were a solid team a few years ago with their goaltending and things of that nature, and they're also their first line, but they'll have to have to do some things, um, get some key players re-signed, like you said, they've and almost, it, it's going to be a task. They've almost, oh, sorry. Oh, you're <laughs> they have almost $20 million tied up in that first-line unit with – uh, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, and I've, I'm spacing on the other one there, but he's up up in that six, seven and a half million dollar range as well. And Sagan's up at the end of the year. Sounds like he's not as happy down there as he was when the contract started. And so there's questions brewing about whether or not Boston would try to bring him back because of his versatility to go back to the wing. And they need help on the wing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I think can't you wait mentioned for- Jamie Benn, right? Was that the other guy? Jamie Ben is one of them, and they have another one. Um, I want to say he's uh, – it's going to bother me. I'll, I'll remember it as soon as we're done. Um, but I want to say it's like one of those Russian names that I'm uh, – you know, Kudrov is in – he's in – I know it's not him. Oh, Valery like Nishkushkin? That. That's got to be him. Valery Nishkushkin. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. But the one thing that's interesting, though, is Dallas does have a, a college coach, Jim Montgomery, coaching the team. Yeah, yeah. NHL is going to be definitely great. I, I can't believe it's September already. Um, we'll definitely get to see some um, hockey under the lights, which will be fantastic to see. Uh, my final thought goes out to the Atlanta Braves for making baseball relevant again, once again, in the ATL. Um, it's been several years since we've seen a good team on the field. I mean, really, since the 90s, that was when Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, um, those players were out there making it prime time in Atlanta. And now with this season, um, I think that they've done some really good things. And even if they don't make it to the World Series this year, I think they will um, continue to grow that program there in Atlanta and continue to be a threat in the NL East. So thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. You can follow us on Facebook on Out of Bounds with Dylan James. On our Twitter handle, it's OOB Podcast. You can also go to our website, outofboundspodcast.com. You can email me at Dylan at outofboundspodcast.com. My Twitter handle is Dylan underscore James. And my Instagram handle is Dylan James underscore FL, as in Florida. JT, what are your social media handles, sir? You guys can reach me 
on Twitter at JTSaka88. That's at J-T-S-O-C-K-A-88. You can follow me on Instagram at JTSaka Sports. And you can email me at JT at com. Chris, what are your social media handles? So I first real quick, it was Alexander Rudolov. There you go, Rudolov. Yeah, that's it. The way that I was thinking of Uh, my Twitter handle at Cnozik six three four two, and you can follow me on the BlackAndGoldHockey.com website for all my Bruins articles and all my team's articles on there. Uh, It's incredible things that we got going on for that. Um, So you know, Twitter's definitely the best way to to reach me there as well. Um, So yeah, that's again Cnozik six three four two, and you know, hopefully we'll. uh, We'll see you guys on the black and gold sometime. Yeah, definitely so, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us on the show this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show this week. And we will talk to you guys next week. 